You're listening to the Danny Cutler Show, the greatest FN radio show on the planet. 93.9 FM KWSS, and we're always streaming KWSS.org. And with the tune in and simple radio apps, a little fun for you. That was We Are Young. And as promised, my guest has arrived. But first, I want to say good morning to my plus one, Cheyenne. Good morning. Hanging out all week. Yes, I'm super excited for your guest today. I know, right? So excited. So the reason that Cheyenne is here all week is because I've got a lot of artists performing Friday at the plus one, the lucky 13 plus one show. I can't even say my own show name correctly, (laughs) seriously. So (laughs) lucky 13 plus one show this Friday. Yesterday, we had Sophie Dorston on. Um, in the next hour, the nine o'clock hour, Break the Robot will be here. So I'm very excited. I think they might be bringing guitars in. Ooh. Yeah. So we might get a live performance out of them. That'd but be amazing. I know. But my guest right now is, I'm very excited as well because longtime friend before anything else, extraordinary YA writer and just awesome Wonder Woman chick. Sarah Fujimura. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, Danny. I'm so glad you're here. This is way overdue. I'm just saying. Well, I've been kind of a chicken. So you've been asking me for a while and I've done a couple <laughs> little little stints with you at Phoenix Fan Fusion. That's right. But now we're like for reals. You've had some practice runs. I've had some practice runs. Now I'm ready to do it's it. It's really real. the same thing because everything you see here is what I bring to Phoenix Fan Fusion. It's all the same equipment. It's all mine. I just put it in a different place. Well, I have my security blanket with me today, too, because I have Cheyenne. So. <laughs> you do. Yeah. So the three of us, I mean, we have all been friends. All our kids went to school together at various times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all just like grew up together. And yeah, so it's very special to have Sarah here. Don't you agree? I do. Well, yeah. and actually, I was going to say, so Sarah, um, Danny and I didn't know each other when our kids were going to oh, school. That's right. Our kids were friends, but Sarah was... Uh, convinced us to become Girl Scout troop leaders together. And that's how I met Danny. Convinced is such a sweet word because she was like, you guys should really do this. Guess what? You're doing it. Let me get you started. (laughs) She's like, here's how you sign up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, that was great because she was, yeah, you were splitting up the troop and you needed somebody to take the, the younger, the younger ones. And we went to this meeting about it at the school and Cheyenne was there and, and I was like, I'm interested, but I don't really want to do it myself. And Cheyenne was kind of like, I'm interested, but I don't really want to do it myself. And we, yeah. And that's so. how a lot of great partnerships are, are formed. The, the idea of like, you want to do something, but you're scared to do it alone. Mm-hmm. So when you have somebody else, you're like, we will muddle through this and figure it out together. And yep. even with um, the Girl Scout troop that I started, I was the same way. It's like, I need a second. I need a second person to help yeah. me. And that just continued to build on and roll until I brought in other people and the idea that you don't have to do everything. And with my troop, I said, you know, come and do what you do best. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we broke things down and we got to do some wonderful, wonderful things. And the girls really pushed me out of my comfort zone. So you'll see at the front of the book, I actually dedicated it to them and and their moms um, because they really opened my mind to a lot of different things that I would never have gotten to do. And I got the bonus of having their moms as as friends too. So yeah, it's definitely a plus. It's a plus in parenting, I think, because your kids want to try these things and, and you want what's best for them and you want them to try new things. And, and even if you didn't do it, it like, it kind of pushes you to like, Hey, why don't I try this? Why don't I give this a try too? And, and go camping or whatever. And, you know, I'm not the most, yeah, we went to surf camp. Yeah. You know, we did the high ropes and stuff and we did glass blowing and we learned how to do some really basic plumbing and things that I never would have probably made time to do. It might've been like, well, one day maybe we should. It's like, no, I'm expected to do part of the girls I was going to do. Yeah. When you're part of a group where everybody's bringing this kind of stuff in, 
It's it's not I w- I don't want to say you're forced into it, but you're more likely to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, and the idea that it helps me as a writer too because it enriches my world. And they always say, you know, write what you know. Um, but I also do a lot of research and I like to bring in other things. So right. even using it as a, a jumping off point through something else that I'm writing. Right. And um, that's kind of my tagline is the fact behind the fiction. So, I mean, you can read my story, any of my stories just as a love story, or you can start diving deeper. And especially with my historical fiction, mm-hmm. um, I started off studying the Spanish flu for an article I did for the World Health Organization back when SARS came, came wow. out and people were very con- concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to know what the difference was between SARS and the Spanish flu. And now with the, you know, COVID, it's coming back yeah. around again um, <laughs> and how it's the same and how it's different. But the stories that I was reading, the first person accounts and some of the videos and things were so fascinating that I wanted to pull those stories down and nice. weave them into something new. So That's all, all my cool. all of my books have a lot of, of fact behind them. And I, and I do that. blog posts sometimes of like, if you're one of those people who loves to read IMDb or looks up all the facts and stuff when you're watching a movie, um, that's me. So that idea that you can dig deeper or you can just read it as a, what I call an oasis read is just yeah. come in, just relax. If we're, if the world is getting too scary or too hard and you just need to re- relax for a little while, come in and read with me and then you can go back out into the, to the bigger world. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And, and we'll get right back to, cause I, it leads to uh, origins, but I just got to say, Sarah is responsible for the plus one movement. I am. Cause, yeah. Cause Girl Scouts was oh, our right. first plus one endeavor. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. It <laughs> so is. There you, go. It, you know, it, it kind of cultivated in music, but. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have been each other's right. plus we one without Girl right. Scouts. Right. So right. Exactly. You that's true. There you yeah. go. The, I love it when you can like look back in time. Is like, and that's kind of ties into my my latest book. That idea of you, if you had turned left instead of right, you would have been gone down a completely different path. And right. Maybe you wouldn't yeah. be friends, and maybe you wouldn't be it's doing crazy. this at a different level. It's so, crazy. Yeah. But so tell us, because you kind of started it. Um, did you start writing as an article writer for magazines? Where did your I writing did. begin? I started off as a journalist, and I did a bunch of articles for nonfiction magazines. And I did a bunch of posts back in the early 2000s for uh, raising Arizona kids. Okay. And so at that, at that time in the early 2000s, it was very dangerous to be my friend because you will probably end up in the magazine somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, so I love doing like parenting things. I did a lot of magazine articles about bicultural families. My, my husband is, I'm white and my husband is Japanese. And um, so bicultural families and people who are just a little bit outside of the, the norm. And okay. I just wanted to bring some some how, ideas to it. How did that lead to writing nonfiction and YA? Which is young adult for those of you out there who don't know YA is young adult books. Yeah. So <laughs> the idea of like just bringing the, the fascinating everyday stories, the nonfiction stories and fictionalizing them. So one of the things with my very first book is called Tanabata Wish and it's set in Nagoya, Japan, which is where my husband grew up. And if you're one of those people who loves to step into books, like if you want to go to platform nine and three quarters, or something like that. Or um, <clears throat> I went to Forks back in the day. <laughs> and I've also watched walked on La Push Beach looking for yeah. tickets. But hey, you know, that's okay. No, that's great. Um, but that idea, if you like to step into books, you can go to Nagoya. And there are real places that I put in the book. Yep. Um, I said it in his neighborhood, so you can actually walk in his neighborhood. But it came out of the, the stories of going to Japan every summer, which we've been doing since my kids were four and six, and now they're 21 and, and 19. Right. Um, the, the kids who have a foot in two different worlds and about a kid who goes to Japan every summer to stay with his grandparents. And my friends who read it, they can tell where the, what, what the true stories were. It's like, oh, I remember you talking yep. about that on Facebook. So that's kind we of like a, a wink and a <laughs> nod, uh, but it's fictionalized. Right. Yeah. And I have to tell you, with that book, I, I learned so much 
about Japan and the culture from that book because I love there's certain parts of YA that I do love but it isn't like my number one genre to go to which is you know it's fine everybody loves what they love but reading your books that help me stay interested because I'm like okay you know I I I, I get teen love and and I appreciate it and I definitely see it in my girls as they're growing up and everything so I have that kind of connection but personally I don't have like the teen love connection so having the history and the fact the fact fiction, if you will, the mm-hmm. fact fiction about everything. I learned so much and I loved it. And I love that in a book because it keeps you engaged, I think. And I think that's why I have uh, quite a lot of adult readers. And, it's, yeah. and again, it's not the, for some people, it's like going back in time or especially for Tanabata Wish of the first time that they left the United States. Yeah. And whether they went on, you know, on a vacation abroad or they did a study abroad. Right. Or the first time, especially if you're a white American, the first time that you were the minority. Yeah. And, and especially as many ways as possible. You cannot, you can't bl- blend in. You don't speak the language well. Um, for me, because I'm, a, I'm five foot eight and a half. Yeah. And I'm standing on the, <laughs> I'm standing on the subway in Japan and like people have their heads in my armpits. Um, but <laughs> that's that I did, me I cannot, every day. Yeah. I cannot blend in in Japan, uh, especially out in the countryside yeah. where my in-laws live now. So that idea of like, what labels do you carry and just making you look outside yourself a little bit more. And then when you come back to the United States, even if you come back into your normal, which Sky does at the end of the book, your normal is never normal again because your brain is kind of exploded and you just look at the world differently. So I have a lot of people who, you know, studied abroad, maybe had a romance abroad. Um, Those are my adult readers or the ones who, the younger people who want to go to Japan. That's awesome. And it's because it's a family. It's the Sky is with her mom and her Japanese stepdad that we can go below the surface Versus to to normal like white Americans go to Japan. Yeah. Um, it's a different experience, and which is my experience where I can ask questions of my mother in law or my husband. It's like why 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 do we do this? Nice. Um, why do you do that? Yeah. And, and I can give a little bit more context to it. Yeah. So I actually I love to travel. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I had always thought of Japan, and I always thought, oh, I want to go to Tokyo. Like I want to go to the big city, and I want to experience that. And after I read that book, I was like, nope, I want to go visit my grandma in out in a village somewhere and yeah. learn how to cook the food. I was like, that's what I want to yeah. do now. I want to experience the countryside yeah. of Japan just as much as I still want to experience Tokyo. It's very that's high so, up on my list. That's so awesome. So moving on to your current book that was just released last week. So congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Yes. Very exciting. It's called Every we- Reason We Shouldn't. Um, what Give us your inspiration for, for wanting to write that book. So again, coming back to how much I enjoy nonfiction and the true stories of life. So back in the early 2000s, I read Apollo Ono, and he is an eight-time uh, meddling Olympian in short track speed skating. I read his autobiography. He came to Changing Hands Bookstore in Tempe. So we're going to come full circle on that in just a minute. Um, <laughs> he, he came to Changing Hands Bookstore in Tempe, and he was signing his book. And I read his book, and it's all about his life and his training. And he had a section in the book about when he was about 15 or 16 years old. And he had a lot of really raw talent. And when he was moving up a level to skating against adults and stuff, it was it wasn't easy for him anymore and he wasn't sure if he wanted to keep going his raw talent was no longer enough was he going to push through or was that the end of the run and it was just really fascinating and at the time i i don't know if you know that his dad is is from japan originally and his mom is a white american but she's never been part of his life so he's biracial japanese american okay. so i'm like yay um his dad took him out and they live in the pacific northwest his dad took him out to like their cottage which this would totally never fly today took him out to their cottage for like two weeks or something, gave him some food and the dog. And he's like, I will be back in two weeks. 
I want you to look at these tapes. I want you to think about what you're going to do. <laughs> are you going to skate? Are we going to skate? Or are we not going to skate? Was you, his dad his coach? He wasn't his coach, but his dad was a single dad. And so he was working during the week and traveling on the weekend okay. with, with Apollo. That's like coach stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and I think that's the bigger part of a lot of the Olympic stories and stuff like that. So it's one thing when you're an adult and you're in charge of yourself, you know, you're traveling on the weekends and competing. But when you're a, a very talented child or, or teen, your parent, one of your parents has to come with you. Yeah. And so it's now doubly expensive. Um, you have one parent that works more than full time so that the other parent can be like the full time kind of coach or pseudo coach mm-hmm. to the child. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, families of with really high caliber artists or you know, musicians or athletes have to do that's a little bit different from the norm. Um, but anyway, so coming back to Apollo, his dad left him in the, out in the countryside there for a while and said, I, w- I will be back in about two weeks and you're going to tell me whether we're going to do this or not do this. Cause if we are going to do it, we're going to do it at a hundred percent. And Apollo, it says in his, his book that, you know, he's getting distracted by girls and parties <laughs> and the, you know, the natural teenage life, uh-huh. but you can't do that. If you're going to be an Olympian, you have to like double down on your training. You can't be sloppy. Um, so obviously he decided that yes, this was his, what yeah. he wanted to do, but it sparked the idea into me of, what was he like as a teenager? What if I could like step into his life? And I got to a little bit in those couple of chapters when he talked about it, but I actually came up with the the character of Jonah Choi first and it, it's Olivia Kennedy's story and Jonah Choi is the love interest. So she tells the story, but I actually had Jonah's character in my mind first because I wanted to create somebody who was like Apollo Ona and that's why he's a short track speed skater mm-hmm. and their Apollo Ona gets a little shout out in, in the book. <laughs> um, but that idea of like, what is that? that caliber of athlete or musician or, you know, dancer, what, what kind of mentality do you have to have to be able to do that? And so that was what I was playing with first. And I wanted to give uh, Jonah somebody to kind of go against. And so that's why I made Olivia a a Paris figure skater. All right. Nice. Nice. And uh, I have not read it yet, but Cheyenne is in the middle of it right now. In the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are you thinking of it so far? Well, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love that um, it's got Phoenix ties. And so uh, things will come up. I'm like, oh, I go to that same Asian market to buy food. And, uh, you know, have you been up a mountain? Yeah, yes, which is not right? really a mountain. Um, and uh, and actually, you talked about how your how friends and um and family might see like on your personal Facebook or something something that relates. And you go, oh, that's how that is in the book. So, um, there's a fun like kind of time where they get to know each other a little bit better. They're, uh, Liv and Jonah, and uh, Mac is with them. And there's an event, and I remember specifically all of us saying, oh, remember when we used to do this? Yes. <laughs> and I, the minute it came up in the book, I was like, yes, that is what <laughs> we did. And I remember having that conversation with you. It was really cute because for me, I felt so proud. I was like, we're all part of our book. Because <laughs> yes, I do. I, do. I, I pull my friends sometimes. It's like, okay, because I didn't grow up here. I grew up on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And some, some some of my friends, including Danny, uh, lived here. You lived here since you were a child. Yeah. Okay. So that idea of teenage life in, in Phoenix is different than in Virginia, where I came from. So I'm like, what do you guys, what did you guys do that wasn't like totally yep. horrible? Um, I remember the question. Yeah. What yep. did you guys do for fun that was slightly naughty when you were, <laughs> when you were teenagers? So according to a lot of people, boondocking, which was a little too naughty for this book, but um, boondocking was a thing. Yeah, they do not boondock. Oh, too funny. Oh, my God. And there's another little shout out. And when you mentioned it, um, Sarah's got tons of ties to us because my very first time I've lived here since I was five. So 1970. (laughs) 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 But my first time going up a mountain, not a mountain was with you. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Lived here all my life, Mm -hmm. even went to ASU. Didn't go up to a mountain until like five or six years ago with you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so fun. so Sarah's just bringing all kinds of things mm-hmm. to us in this book and everything. So yeah, well, we're going to talk more with Sarah and she has some awesome events coming up around this book release as well that we're going to tell you about. But we got to get back to the music here on 93.9 FM, but stick around, Sarah. We'll go fill, we'll go refill your coffee and and but we'll listen to some good tunes. So coming up a little later, more with Sarah Fujimura. The book is Every Reason We Shouldn't. Going to tell you more about it later on. KWSS 93.9. 93.9 FM, KWSS and KWSS.org. Danny Cutler here, still enjoying my Wednesday morning with Sarah Fujimura. Having so much fun. I, I never say her last name because she's my good friend. So she's just Sarah. <laughs> So it's like, oh, yes, last name. Got to get the last name in there, too. <laughs> well, I'm so used to being Katie and Andy's mom. Well, yes. So, so I finally was... have my own name now. So that's cool. that's cool. Well, I tell you, Cheyenne, my plus one, who yes. I call her plus one more than Cheyenne now. So, well, actually. But remember when I would remember started. when I would call you Shania? Shania, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. My oldest daughter's name is Tanea. Yes. So mm-hmm. I would always just be like, Shania. And Sam, my daughter, Sam, is like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, oh, I'm just putting them, just molding them together. Mushing together. <laughs> So, yeah, but all right. So, Sarah, if you missed the first segment, I will have all of this on the podcast feed later so that you can catch up and learn about this wonderful book. Every reason, every reason, uh, I'm hunting wabbits. Every reason we shouldn't. I'm fine. I need more coffee on this fine Wednesday morning. (laughs) And, um, it's about, it's about a figure skater and someone who owns, whose parents own a skating rink too, who's also a skater. And it is a, it's a young adult YA novel, but it appeals to everybody. And, um, Sarah was saying off air that one of the questions she get is, was she a figure skater? Which she totally could be. Mm-hmm, totally sure. could be. Yeah. Yeah. I get that question a lot because there are a lot of, and we specifically, you know, hired people who this was their expert. They, they give them their expert opinion about figure skating and all some of the lingo mm-hmm. and the special you know vocabulary that you would use to make it as authentic as we possibly can because mm-hmm. I am not a figure skater. Yeah, I was just gonna say you you're know, not. <laughs> I have never been a figure skater. Um, I was a dancer and my minors in dance, but I I do know how to skate a little bit, but just like going forward and maybe a little bit backwards, I don't do any kind of jumps or anything like so that. So what what made you want to write specifically about figure skating beyond the reading Apollo's book? I just wanted somebody who could be the the opposite, but kind of the same in the same world with, with Jonah. So I didn't want to make her a singer or somebody. I wanted to put them in the same world and so that they could collide a little bit more. So what I like to tell people is that this story is a little bit like the cutting edge because, you know, you have your one girl who is very serious about what she's doing. And then you have the boy who's on the outside who comes in. So that's that, but that's kind of where it ends. So if you're expecting, you know, J- Jonah to stop being a, a short track speed skater and be her new partner and go to the Olympics and win a gold medal, um, that's not it. So <laughs> just let me break your expectations on that. To me, it's a little bit more like Yuri on Ice. So if you have uh, people in your life who look anime, it's a little bit more Yuri on Ice because there's nothing wrong with Olivia. She's just hit a wall and she's lost her confidence. And when Jonah comes into the rink, um, he sparks something new in her because of his own perfectionism and what he does. Right. Um, and so that's what I really wanted to write about. So kids who are who are that one in a million. And one of the things that even if you're not into sports, if you're not into YA, if you have kids in your life who might be that one in a million, that the idea of like what it looks like to have one of those kids and the all the sacrifices that the whole family has to make. So it's one thing if you're an adult and you're traveling all the all the time and you're working out all the time and maybe you have sponsors or your family is buying into your Olympic dreams and they're paying for your housing and everything like that. But it's another thing when you have an athlete who's a teen or a singer or a dancer, it doesn't really matter. So you're traveling. So now it's two people traveling. Mm-hmm. So 
if you're a single parent, if you, you know, you're two parents, but one has to work more than full time to to be able to keep the family machine going. It's it's yeah. a very different experience. And so I have friends in my life. I have two people in my life who have those one in a million girls. And I've gotten to watch them grow from girls to young adults now. And they're still going on in different journeys. But all the things that their moms have had to say that they've had to do, whether it's you know, using the college fund, what they would have used for their college fund, they're putting in now. They're putting in the money now. Like, you know, she's competing. She's doing seven different numbers this weekend. She's got three different solos. We can't wear the same costume twice. Ugh. We have to go. And so it's very, very expensive to do these things. Or um, one of the girls had a a contract with Sony Japan singing. And so every fall break, winter break, long weekend, she would fly to Japan and work on her album. So those kids who don't have a normal life. And I wanted to show that with Olivia too. So she'll say like, I've never been, I haven't been to a birthday party since fifth grade. Yeah, You know, I, I'm, I'm a no show at my family events. They're used to me not you know showing up because the business is that dream. Right. So for people who are reading in that really are not interested in like ice sports or sports in general, that idea in most adults life where whatever your identity was maybe in high school. So for example, you know, being in the orchestra mm-hmm. or I, I'm a band, band kid for life. Um, and my daughter was on the drum line. So yeah. we, we love band kids, but that idea of that thing that made you special and unique that you took a lot of pride in, in when you were a teen, when you got to the crossroads of, am I good enough? Yeah. Am I good enough to go up to the next level? Um, it's one thing if you're injured or you go to audition and somebody in a higher power says, you're not good enough. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. And then your dream ends. But it's for Olivia, it's when you start doubting yourself. Right. Is it really me? Am I truly done? Or am I that special person who could, like Apollo, you know, should I keep going? Yeah. Even though it's really hard and I keep failing and failing and failing and failing. Do I keep going? Or or is this the end of the road? Or do I take a left turn and do something that's related to it? So in the book with um, you know, with Olivia being a pair skater, her her partner who is we call him egg it's steward um he he's older than she is and so he goes off to college as they're trying to figure out what they're doing and he has to come back and decide do i want to be olivia's partner again do i want to completely walk away and go to college do i want to go and audition for like a you know an ice capades type of show what's that next step for me am i done am i going a different direction or am i still going to go for the gold Go ahead. I was to say real quick on uh, his name being Egg when he called him the book. I love that. That little bit of science twist in there. That's a great little <laughs> one. I was like, oh, that's fun. Well, because you don't see triplets a lot. You don't see triplets a lot in books. And I'm a twin. And we. I was joking with my sister because she was in Barnes & Noble in New Hampshire this weekend. And she like got the bookseller and like, this This is my sister's book. <laughs> and I said, did they did they give you a hard time? Like, yeah, it's your twin. Uh-huh. It's like, no, no, really, it is my twin. <laughs> is there a picture so, on the back? Yeah, there is a picture. Like, but, you know, we look alike. So. So, yeah, so you whether, really do. Whether yeah. he believed that we were actually twins or she was just pretending, I don't know. Oh, but, that's so. Uh, funny. But that idea—you don't see a lot of twins, or you don't you definitely don't see a lot of triplets. So I wanted to um, create a character that was was a triplet. So Egg that's is awesome. A Egg that is, is a triplet. Yeah, that's really awesome. One more question before we get into all the ways that you can get the book. What is like? What's the one thing you want people to take away after reading this? I know, could be deep. That's a good question. Like if they're, you know, if nothing else, what, when people are finished, you just, what do you want them to either feel or hope that I think that's the hope, hope and also the courage to try whatever that little voice inside of you that's telling you to do this big audacious dream 
that you're scared to do, um, go ahead and do it. Because whenever you put stuff out into the universe, out into the bigger world, you're going to get pushback. You're going to get criticism. You're going to get trolls who just want to bring you down. And it's, it's scary. And I think that stops a lot of people from, you know, singing their songs or creating their art or writing mm-hmm. their books because they're afraid that they're going to be just torn down. So for me, it's hope and giving you, giving people the, the courage to go ahead and make a right turn or make a left turn or plow on forward, just not, not walking away from it or finding a different way to express it. So for example, you know, when Danny was in high school, you play viola. Mm -hmm. So very, very into orchestra. That was a lot of your person, you know, your personality and how you identified with yourself. And then, you know, you went on to college and you studied music. I did for a little bit, not very long. And then I just kind of went away. Yeah, but it it went away for a while, but now it's coming back. So it's never too late. I mean, I'm performing again. Granted, it's not with an orchestra. It's with a band, but. But that idea that it doesn't have to. Right. even maybe you, you know, you were first chair in your, your band and I played flute and I only sat first chair for about a week. And that was just because of the girl who always sat ahead of me was just amazing. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I think she was having a really off day or she was sick or something. That's the only way, way I, I beat her for like one week. Um, for the chair, for my band kids, all the chair tests. Yes. We, we, we had, had an orchestra too. Orchestra, yeah, yeah. So the, the whole idea of like, you're still traumatized by those. Um, it was very stressful. Anyway, but that idea of I, I never wanted to go on and play in a big orchestra or, you know, play in Carnegie Hall or something like that. My my music, music's always been important to me, but just taking a right turn with it. So I stopped playing flute for a while. And when I got to college, my husband lived on, we lived in the international dorm. He lived on the third floor and he plays electric guitar and he was looking for a bass guitar player. And I play bass guitar also. Not very well, but I did. Oh, and we're starting a band. Yeah. So that idea of you can take some really interesting twists and turns if you are strong enough to put it out there and see what what comes back. And everyone is strong enough yeah. to put it out there. Yeah. They are. And we already have a band name if we do start a band. We do? Rowdy Mamas. We just want to yeah. shout out oh, to yes. the Rowdy Mamas. Rowdy Mamas. Yep. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. I Yes. That's what we're going to do. We're doing it <laughs> now. A, we're just going to do it. We'll have to do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, wonderful. Well, there's March the 26th, and you can get the book, of course, then. Um, how can people – where are other ways that people can get the book if they're not maybe in the Valley? Um, you can go into Barnes and Noble, you can go on to Amazon, Books a Million, or you can go to Macmillan's, um, it's published with Tortine, which is under Macmillan's umbrella. You can buy it from Macmillan. Excellent. And how can people stock you online? You can go, I'm on Instagram as Sarah, F is in Frank, and then Fujimura, F-U-J-I-M-U-R-A, or on Twitter, it's just my name without the F, extra F in the middle. So. Awesome. Awesome. And you've got the website where people can get your other books and, and try and find your yeah, other books. Yeah. Or if too? you, if you prefer to shop local, um, it's also on indiebound.org and that'll tell you which of your local independent bookstores like changing hands, um, can order, order the book or they may have Wonderful. it in stock. So. Wonderful. Or just hit me up. I'll get you a copy. Yeah. I know the author. I know where she lives. <laughs> I need 36 books right now. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Sarah, thank you for coming in. Oh, it was my pleasure. I know this is one of your left, right turn things. And I think you just plowed through yeah. to do this because I know you were a little nervous. but A little bit. But... I think you were fantastic. I loved this interview. It was one of my favorites. Seriously. For sure. Seriously. So thank you. And you are welcome anytime you want to come. I'll put you on my retro hour and we can just play 80s music all can hour and talk about it. Of course. Okay. <laughs> of course. Who was who your favorite Duran Duran member? Um, Simon. I have a lead singer problem. I like lead singers. Nick Rhodes was my favorite. Oh, yeah. He is my favorite. Oh, so wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Thank you again, Sarah, for being here. Thanks for having me. 